And welcome everyone to Films with Women in My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight is Mama Kay. Hey everybody. And tonight we are returning to Wes Andersonville for Asteroid City. <laughs> last time West we visited, last time we visited it wasn't our favorite visit. Uh, we both like the majority of his films, but what was it? Great, uh, not Great Dispatch, uh, French Dispatch. French was Dispatch. Last. Yeah, and I, I was actually looking through my rankings the other day of like all Wes Anderson stuff, and I put that you know second to last, probably only only ahead of Rushmore because I hate Rushmore so much. But yeah, <laughs> wow. Okay, so then you're like, okay, this needs to be really good to get back into the Wes Anderson. I really was. I was looking like, at like the trajectory because I was I was basically bottle. I was like I went through the the years. Bottle Rocket, good, like mm-hmm. solid. Rushmore, hate it. Uh, and then Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, Darjeeling, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Moonrise are all in a row. And other than Fantastic Mr. Fox, because I'm not really – his stop motion ones are kind of okay, just okay for me. Those are like his core movies for me. Like I love all those. And Moonrise is my favorite. So it culminates up there. Then we get Grand Budapest, yeah. which I still like. I know that's a lot of people's favorites. It is like the most ambitious feeling, I think. Um, yep. And it's it's good. And then Isle of Dogs – He's okay. Uh, and then French Dispatch, a little worse. So he's. Yeah. this was kind of like, it's either you're either going to hit it or you're strike three, you're out kind of thing. I'm, I was getting worried. I've lost uh, yeah. I've lost faith in MCU. I'm losing faith in my, my boys <laughs> at Pixar. So I just, I need, oh, some, no! I need someone to turn it around for me. I need someone to hang on to. Guy Ritchie's been hanging on for me. He's been he's been making That's constant true. good stuff. So thank thank God for him. So let's see he's if Wes made it back into the good graces. Uh, world changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention in an American desert town, circa 1955. This has a 7.1 on IMDb, 74. Critics and Rotten Tomatoes, 61 audience. Uh, for Wes Anderson, numbers are on the lower side, um, concerning. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into spoilery stuff, this is in theaters now. Do you have any? Did you have any expectations going in? Were you like me, kind of trepidatious, or were you were you ready to give him another chance? I think I'm always going to be ready to give him another chance, just because He's it. he, yeah, just because he does things differently, and I, I appreciate that. Differently from others, but only the same to himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, for him it's the same, but for, uh, yeah, differently than other filmmakers. Yes. No one does it quite like him, but he only does himself. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen it, I already did that part, theaters. So, yeah, yeah we're going to spoil <laughs> it here now. So I said that little synopsis where it's world-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of his junior Stargazer Space Cadet Convention in the American Desert Town circa 1955. That is right. true. That is the core of yes. the film. But around that is a other storytelling device. This whole thing is a play. And so during right. the play, which is that synopsis I just read, uh, they are also having cut-ins with the writer, director, the star, who's the Jason Schwartzman character. He's kind of the lead of this ensemble. Um, and a couple, and Brian Cranston's like a narrator kind of guy. And they show some of the other actors offset. And that's part of the movie, and then they'll cut it back in, back and forth throughout, basically, the making of the play, and the behind-the-scenes of the play, and the play itself. Uh, kind of, not unlike Grand Budapest, where that's like a story within a story within a story, except in that, we pretty much always stay with, like, uh, Gust- M. Gustav's story, and we don't really cut back very often. Whereas this one, we're pr- 
moderately frequently cutting between the play part stuff and the and the, the play play stuff. Um, this has a billion characters. This has <laughs> uh, like it's got every all, all the actors he's ever worked with, and then some minus the Wilsons. I don't know where they are. I guess they were busy. And Bill Murray. I guess, guess and a couple Bill of the, Murray. A couple of the state. Yeah, Tom Hanks is playing the Bill Murray role in this one. Um, and so yeah, you got you know I don't even need to read through the cast. We'll they'll come up as we as we go. The whole crux of this thing: Stargazer event. Uh, a thing happens that makes everything kind of go weird and haywire, and then the rest of the movie is kind of dealing with that fallout. And again, we're just cutting back and forth, looking at the parallels between the actual making of the thing. It sounds kind of confusing, yeah. and there's actually a line in it about uh, this whole thing that I actually really like that kind of sums up my feelings on the whole thing. But, Mama K, oh. what do you think of Asteroid City? Yeah, so this is this is a little different. It's it is, I mean, unmistakably Wes Anderson. But like you yes. said, because we're doing a couple of different things within just it's not just the telling of the story, which the story is basic so basic that I think that it was be a 40-minute movie if that's all we were going to do. So, um I don't know if that's what happened when they were writing this movie is that they decided that they needed to do something else to flesh it out and then that's why we have this whole movie within a movie that's not really a movie it's a play sorry to stop you right there well all that thought that's what i thought about french dispatch is he had three four shorts that he couldn't flesh out so he smashed them together and this one i didn't have quite that same feeling but i can see that like a shorter story getting fleshed out by padding of this other device Right. By using by using the dot device of uh, we're going back and forth between the, uh, the playwright and the play and then the actual movie quote of the play, um, it it makes a movie. I don't feel it was as disjointed as French Dispatch. Um, I think the devices pretty much worked and because the because the story is a pretty and the storytelling of it is pretty dry i didn't i i looked forward to the times that we were going back and forth between uh the different scenarios i otherwise i think it would have been visually stunning like usual um well acted but r- pretty basic i mean and also there's an alien i mean we got to throw that in so um yeah i i don't know that it, it it's not it hasn't i don't know that it hit exactly where i wanted it to go that i think i feel like i needed a little bit a little bit more i don't know i don't know whether i felt like the effort wasn't there everything was done well don't don't get me wrong but i felt like there was just something something missing from it for me hmm. maybe you can help me out with that Maybe I, I so I this is an improve for me. This is an improvement on the last two. So I got I was happy enough that I like this more than Isle and I like this more than French. So this is this was like this is closer to Grand Budapest level of my enjoyment. It's not mm-hmm. to the 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 tier, and maybe you'll never get back to that level where it's. I, I, I was trying to find a common thread between those movies. I think those are his like most angsty and mean-spirited movies because like he's he's very whimsical and like but his characters are also like exceptionally prickly and i think that's the height of prickle is <laughs> tenenbaums steve zissou 
the, the Darjeeling yeah. Limited brothers, you know, those, those are all like horrible prick people. Whereas these ones are, I mean, there's plenty of prickly characters in here, but they're a little less arch, maybe. Like, they're a little more just kind of sad. It's very sad, misanthropic people. Yeah, but people. all still very self-centered and, you know, every character is like that. Like, every character is just really... Yes. ...about themselves. So And maybe that helped me actually... Kind of a telling thing. Well, that actually might have helped me get back a little bit more to my liking of it. Maybe that's, that is what I like, like when the characters <laughs> are so about themselves. You do like that. It's the, it's yeah, it's their snippy dialogue back and forth to each other where like it's almost like yeah. they're having a conversation with each other, but like it's really just like I would I wish I could just talk to me all day, but like I have to talk to you. So, what like whatever. That's I get that feeling with all all these people. Like I, I wish think I you're just- right. Yeah, and and luckily the the times when they're quote talking to themselves, it's an, there's enough of a thread between them and the person that they're quote talking to that it can actually be a conversation but on in all in all honestly honesty they're just really uh spewing a diatribe of their own yeah no yeah everyone's and a lot lot of people like a lot of his characters so many of them have like their takes and like they're all they all kind of have this uh, figured out the world attitude while also being horribly lost um Mm -hmm. and well let's go through the the roster and we can kind of pick out standouts and maybe people didn't work Jason Schwartzman's the main guy. He's Augie Steinbeck. He's war photographer. And then you got Scarlett Johansson's an actress. Tom Hanks is Mitch. the father of the dead of the dead wa- wife of Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey right. Wright's the general. Tilda Swinton's the doctor. Brian Cranston's the host. Uh, Edward Norton and Adrian Brody are the playwright and director on the outside world. And then there's a whole cavalcade of like the stargazers and their families. That's got Liev Schreiber, Hope Davis, Stephen Park, Rupert Friend. Uh, who else is in there? A lot of a lot of the kids characters. Yeah, all the um, kids. Yeah, and then and some the other cowboy. like cowboy. Yep. Uh, there's cowboy. There's uh, the it's Rupert Friend's character, Maya Hawk, his love interest, the school teacher, uh, motel right. manager Steve Carell. Interesting choice. Right. I haven't seen Steve Steve in a in a Wes Anderson movie, kind of a, I thought a good fit. We'll see. Uh, Matt Dillon is Hank the Mechanic. Uh, Hong Chow and Willem Dafoe and Margot Robbie are all on the outside world as a uh, wife, acting teacher, and uh, uh, other actress, uh, respectively. Uh, right. A couple other cameo kind of level people. Tony Rivoli, who does, um, he was Zero in Grand Budapest. Sophia Lillis from the mm-hmm. It movies. Jeff Goldblum as the alien briefly uh who would, who would ever know that oh, oh you get the little cameo at the or he, he gets his offstage cameo where he's describing his character of the alien which yeah. is <laughs> in line with everyone else uh fisher stevens recognized from succession the yep, thin neck yep, yep. guy who's kendall's uh bitch yeah yeah so we got a lot of people in here who stood out who didn't work <laughs> um I am not the biggest fan of Jason Schwartzman. Um, yeah, I'm mixed. Kinda glad, I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that he just does this. It seems like and doesn't really appear in a whole lot of other things because that would bother me. But I thought he was really super suitable for the character that he played here. He, um, I, I kind of feel like that's him in real life. I don't know anything about this <laughs> man, but that's how he. That's how he seems to me. Um, there were some times he was the most interesting I thought because his character kind of wound its way into the different um, 
the different things that he was doing by taking off his facial hair. So you knew when he was actually in the film part of mm-hmm. the movie and not in the, you know, in off offset from the stage. Um, and, you know, his character was very singular. He's got these four kids, uh, the one who's the space camp, you know, the, the boy that's the space camp uh, highlight. And then he's got these three little daughters and he, uh, he just lost his wife and, and he can't seem to cope because he's a war. What is he? A war photographer, right? So he's been doing mm-hmm. World War II stuff and whatever else is going on at that point. Um, and it's no, it's it's no wonder that he can't cope with trying to raise trying to raise these kids. And it's not like he's trying to in this movie. That don't get me wrong. There's there's very little uh, interaction in a parent way between these people. So he's not particularly paternal. People. No. Yeah, the kids the kids all exist in their own world, just like the parents all exist in their own um, world. Um, but. It was a great one of very very super Wes Anderson line where he's talk where he's he's doing one of the back and forth with Scarlett Johansson. I think he says, uh, uh, I, "Are you married? I'm widowed, but don't tell my kids." Yeah, but don't tell my kids because yeah, cause he, uh, he's although he does he is carrying around an urn that has his dead wife in it, so um, that he puts at some point into a Tupperware container, which is a little unnerving, um, but. I, you know, I think that he's perfectly suitable for that. Scarlett Johansson, the same. I don't know that anybody is super miscast in this. Do you? I enjoyed Brian Cranston's character as the narrator. Um, yeah. He, he had some times where he was, you know, he, I mean, it's so well written and so tightly written, but it, it's, uh, the things that he does that he's supposed to be like making a mistake or whatever are just perfectly timed. The comedic timing. Oh, yeah of him particularly was really uh enjoyable to watch who did you have as a standout stand uh so i was gonna say similar about jason schwartzman i'm mixed on him as an actor and i pretty much like him when he's in wes anderson things like darjeeling that's one of my favorite roles for him where he's like the younger brother uh but like i've seen him in a bunch of indie movies where like i just hate him so much in them i'm just (laughs) but when he's with when he's with wes and when he's with Wes, and I think I, uh, one of the Coppolas writes with him, at least one of the Coppolas writes with him. So there you go. You get like a nice. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't know how there's no Nick Cage action in any of these movies. I, he's he would be a weird fit, but like, come on. There's all the other Coppolas are cycling through the Wes Anderson world. So why couldn't uh, he yeah. have been the alien in this one? I mean, Jeff Goldblum's because Jeff Goldblum was the alien. I mean, yeah, I know he's a he's a good alien. But I was, yeah. if you say the only better. Because I'm such a big Cage fan, the only better alien is probably Jeff Goldblum. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm not going to complain about that one. But uh, <laughs> I, I think most people were a couple like cider, more side characters. Like Liev Schreiber, I like that he's grown into like grizzled old grumpy man. Like I remember him as like kind of like I don't know, like a hot shotty kind of guy in like the nineties. Yeah, I didn't 2000s. recognize him in this. I had no idea that was him, honestly. I love his contentious relationship with his son who keeps doing dares. Like it's such a stupid throwaway <laughs> bit, but he he's so angry and committed and the kid is so perfectly <laughs> irritating that it's perfect. It it's it's always a bright spot. I, it's a bit that works for me cuz that's what a yeah. lot of this is. It's like there's you got 30 characters, everyone gets, you know, 10 minutes unless you're 
Scarlett Johansson or Jason Schwartzman. So you better even Scarlett you, Johansson, I think, is underused in this. I don't. I feel like she's a little. I think she's a just about right use. I don't know how much more you could use her without her being a co lead. And she, like, right. I, I thought the point was it was his thing because this is what is this ultimately a, a grief uh, trauma movie? You know, dealing with everyone's dealing with a loss, and then they all have this shared trauma of the alien showing up. Maybe we talked about it. Talked around it. Jeff Goldblum's the alien, and in classic Wes Anderson fashion, when an alien shows up, it's a little paper mache thing, and it slowly goes down. <laughs> Everyone just stares at it with a blank look on their face, and then the alien slowly grabs an asteroid and leaves without saying a word. Like you know, as you would expect. And then, and then, <laughs> and then comes back and replaces the the asteroid without saying. Yeah, a word. Uh, oh, it's been inventoried. <laughs> <laughs> like right. nice and simple. I just all, all that's like all was this, the whole movie's asteroid fell there, and then the alien came and got it, and he inventoried it, and then really that's all right. that actually happened in the movie. Everything else is just people yes. doing stuff around that, and then right. even that, even and then you have to remember all of this is like even in this world is fake because this is all a play by the Edward Norton, Adrian Brody. Like I, I like some of that stuff in concept, but like I don't know, I don't know if the surrounding stuff added for me. At the mm-hmm. same time, like I like the Brian Cranston bit too. Like he's probably the best of the out of world characters. Uh, right. Although Willem Dafoe's couple of minutes is pretty good as the the acting teacher guy. Like I, yeah. I like that. Um, well, there, yeah. The wait, with the part when when there's a there was a part where there was like a that's what it was. It was an acting te- acting class. Is that what was going on? Where there was all I don't know people? if it was a class or if it was like I'm getting these people together for the thing and like I'm gonna pick people out of it or I, I don't really know yeah. exactly what that's. But they do some stuff in there where they and then at some points uh, people will stand up one by one and they say like they do like a no captain my captain thing. I don't remember exactly what was going yes. on there. Yeah, they do some <laughs> they do some stuff like that. They go kind of abstract or. That's that's more that's more pushing abstract than I'm used to for Wes Anderson because he usually. He he's whimsical in his weird little sets and stuff, but it it is kind of grounded. Whereas like this one kind of pushed pushed a little on that. Yeah, and I think maybe it's because it had to do with what is actually like the storyline of this being um, a town built around the fact that an asteroid, you know, fell there, and now they're gonna give some kid a ten thousand dollar check for being the future scientist of you know of the year it's it's just such a thin it's such a thin uh storyline oh, to to hang it all on so yeah there's not much to hang it on it's mostly like i need a that's what's weird about it is that it's just a premise but like it is very carefully constructed like all yes, like the hand yes. burning joke and a scarlett johansson leaves try saying the line after scene five like it it's such a carefully ripped written script for such an underdeveloped story that's so that's that's uncommon i i can't really even think of another example where like this is so much work to do so little it almost feels like and then you got 30 people you know running around like it's it's a lot of work to not tell a lot i mean it's the thing is i'm enjoying all of it is i i'm laughing more at this than i did at french dispatch i'm smiling more i'm in the audience and pretty full theater and the majority of them are wes anderson laughing which is not uproarious but it's like observed laughter kind of thing yeah it's working it's it's all working yeah, yeah. So like, I and I, yeah. I, I'm still leaving people out. I like Jeffrey Wright. I always welcome to see. This is way yeah. big improvement, huge improvement on his dud of a character in the last one. Like, this is such a 
a return to form. Uh, just gets the letter from the president, crumples it up. He's pissed. Like after after all the different time, he, he, everything else has been so meticulous and so perfectly read and orchestrated. Number one, number two, right. number three. He's pissed. And he crumples it up now. and throws it. It's perfect. It's such good. It's so good. Uh, and then uh, like every like really almost everyone like I was gonna say Steve Carell. I love his little. Selling land out of a vending machine. I like right. my Hawk and Rupert friends. Like, oh, Bastas, kind of like little cute relationship thing. The only one who I have not mentioned that's kind of big in here that I'm like, yeah, nah, I don't know Tom about Hanks. this. That's right. Why is Tom Hanks that guy? Because Bill Murray didn't want to show up. Is he in trouble? Did he do something? Why is Tom Hanks? Bill that Murray guy had bitch? COVID. Did he? Yeah, that's what happened. Why can't it be any other beloved 70-year-old <laughs> actor? Because this is Tom Hanks and this was weird. It was not the right It wasn't the right it fit. It felt weird. It felt like it felt like um like Colonel Sanders came to town. You know what I mean? It felt like it's David just, S. It, Pumpkins. It felt like an SNL sketch. Like every, yeah, a little bit, everyone yeah. else blends in with Wes Anderson's weird paper mache worlds. Tom Hanks sticks yeah. out like I am an actor on a set. Like he just doesn't yeah. he, he does not it's, blend. It's almost because he's he's too big, and I feel like Wes Anderson accentuated that. Like the we see him, uh, we see the Tom Hanks character. He's the father-in-law to to Jason uh, Schwartzman the, and the grandparent to these kids, and we see him in his own uh, surroundings. Like so, he's in his house. It's like this, you know, mid-century modern house because we're talking about 1955. And but he looks gigantic and that has to be on purpose like why I think to contrast tiny Jason so Schwartzman. I yeah I get I mean yeah because he he is you know he is like trying to come in and 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 take care of things and Jason Jason Schwartzman Schwartzman does not want anything to do with that except for somebody has to take care of these kids right but no one's right. really going to do it cuz it's a Wes Anderson movie but he <laughs> is very I mean it's it's deliberate. I agree that it doesn't really fit everybody else because he's just not the, not the type. He's not that character type at all. No, he's not. Um, if you need someone to fill in for Bill Murray because he can't be here, this was not the right other beloved seventy-year-old actor. Like, who's a better, <laughs> who's a better who that get? guy? Uh, let's see. And he's got to be. Oh, let's see. <laughs> he's got to be more charactery actor than you know and that's part of part of the thing too is that you know Tom couldn't Hanks you plug in couldn't actor. you have i know we love brian cranston as the guy couldn't we have plugged him in as the dad and then plugged in a wilson as the host just pick a wilson mm, no brian cranston's perfect as that though you don't want to mess that i up. know like, i'm trying not... to i'm trying to uh it can't be jeff i'm just trying to think his other his stable it can't be jeff um, who else could it be? No, it I be don't like- know that there. I think he has, ha- you know, it's because he had to go outside and get somebody. I mean, Tom Hanks is a, you know, he, he's what about a smaller pick, name like-, like a like a Stephen Root or a Richard Ryle, something like that. Mm, yeah, I don't know that. Maybe Stephen Root. That might have been a, a good pick. That might have because he could still be. Could remember him from Grounded for Life, where he. Where he's the dad who hates who hates Donald Logue. What if he was just that yeah. guy? That could work. Yeah, yeah, he could be. He's 
but famous enough now where like everyone would be like maybe people don't know Stephen Root by name, but like you see Stephen Root, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen would, that guy in everything from the last 20 just like years, you know so. Fisher Stevens by that too because he's right. been in he, a ton of stuff. So I think I mean, only I suppose, because six, I mean I don't know if I would have recognized Fisher Stevens pre succession. I I would have been like, oh, it's that oh guy, I know him I, I, from. I know him from like way back. He's been in everything. What's your Fisher Stevens role? Because all, all of these people, I was thinking about it. They, ha- I have my role for them in their head. Like especially guys like Fisher Stevens, where it's like, oh, he's that guy. Who is he for you? Well, I mean, he is the guy from Succession because he always plays that guy in every role that he does. So um, that smarmy like, secondhand man. Yeah, he's sort of like a popular Tracy Walter. That's what it comes to me. Like that's uh, okay. the, when I see him, that's what I think of. Um, so yeah, he's I, in Californication in one episode as like an eccentric billionaire who who accidentally kills himself by auto erotic asphyxiation while he's yeah. hanging out with Hank and gang. So like they find him and they're like, oh fuck, we have to like cover the cover it up. Like that's the episode, <laughs> and that's what I always think of him in is that guy. And I I remember thinking like. <laughs> His neck is so unnaturally thin. What the fuck is happening there? It's so <laughs> long and thin. He's like those things from Attack of the Clones. Like he, he's so it's so. He's strange. like a Fisher cat. He reminds me of a Fisher cat. He's got the perfect. He's a Fisher name. Stevens. Fisher Stevens. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. I don't know. I the Tom that Tom Hanks thing didn't really bother me. I mean, it, it did take me out a little bit just because I on, honestly I thought of him as Colonel Sanders or something. It's probably the mustache um, that did that for me. But um, you know, it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't. An, it wasn't bad enough that I didn't enjoy. His no, he's still in scenes. Like when it's him and Jason Schwartzman in the phone booth towards the beginning. That's one of the first. Like, oh, here yeah. he is doing his style, and I'm like, I'm liking this. He does his classic whip pans and his slow dollies, and everything's very right. in the center of the shot. Like all yeah. of the stuff you would expect is here, and it's all for me. It's all clicking, and that's that's all nice. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about the kids. The train. At all. I love the Roadrunner. The the the. I mean, the thing about this movie that we haven't really talked about is how it's basically. It looks like a set. Like it looks. It wherever it was yeah. filmed, it doesn't matter because you can tell it's a set, and and that helps. Yeah. with the play aspect of it, but it's a really good set. Like it's really well done, and there's a there's a point where there's a police car, a police chase that goes on. There's a couple uh, times. And that's, <laughs> A couple times, but that's like, that's his, him saying like, this is a real place. This is semblance of normal because when they're in, when they're quarantined and when the, you know, they're in between alien visits, um, things aren't normal like that. Things are a little bit, a little bit off. So, um, I like that. I like, I like how everything, and this is my favorite part of his movies, like how the music and how the art direction and everything just sort of takes me to a place that is perfectly imperfect. It's not, there's no way this place exists, but I love this and I could see myself living there. Like I I am not the kind of person who would inhabit that place in a Wes Anderson movie, but it's just so appealing to me because just like the the dialogue, it's mm-hmm. so well done that you overlook the fact that there's really not a whole lot there. So, so why do I guess we? It sounds like we are agreeing. Then this is an improvement on the last one. So maybe it, I like Isle of Dogs. So I, you know, I think this is well, yeah. probably better though than Isle of Dogs. But it's way better than French Dispatch. I don't. I I need to watch it again to find out what it was that I really disliked. So well, I had similar. 
I guess I had similar, like, I don't know, like, I, I, Isle of Dogs, I guess, was just flat, was just kind of flat for me. I know people love Fantastic Mr. Fox, too, like, his, and I like other types of animation stuff, I'm always trying to bring that up, but for, and you'd think it would fit so well, because he does it all the time in his other movies, like, I think of the Grand Budapest little trolley up the side of the hill, like, as one exactly. of, like that's one of the ones that sticks in my mind all the time, but, yeah. For some reason, when the whole thing is like that, I don't, I don't like it anymore. I, or I don't like, I, I, I recognize it and I'm fine with it, but like, I just can't get over the hump and like recognize it as the ones that I really like. It's more just like, this is nice. This is cute. It's not, yeah. It's never going to be more than three and a half stars for me. No, but you, I mean, you, that might just be the thing is like, you like that kind of stuff as the piece, like the Roadrunner in this. Awesome. They, and you <laughs> finish on the Roadrunner. I mean, I'm okay with that. I thought that was fun. That's, you know, this movie is, it sounds like it should be like kind of a downer if you tell somebody what it's about, about people being quarantined. Oh, it's not a downer. Alien. At all. No, but say the, say the, say the plot. People have to be quarantined after an alien visit. That sounds terrible. And people kind of, tr- they kind of treat it like the two main characters treat it like it's terrible. We didn't talk about Tilda Swinton. All of a sudden that just came up in my brain. Yeah, true. Speaking um, of aliens and people who are in a lot of these movies. Yeah, she <laughs> she could have been scientist. an alien. She could she could have been the alien. Yeah, you actually could have. Sw- oh, that would have been a funny bit if they had Tilda Swinton and Jeff Goldblum constantly switching roles. But like like because due to scheduling conflicts, the actor they're playing but is going <laughs> oh, no. for some that's, of the scenes that's for scenes too meta. Th- for There's scenes so three eight seventeen forty two <laughs> and ninety three uh, actor like I because like, he does that kind of stuff where it's like this was filmed on Dolby Cinema sat like I, right. I, I like. All that I think that's maybe it's too much, but like I kind of both consider them both very alien type people actors because if they're so right. specific, right? They're definitely one of a kind. Having Brian Cranston uh, announce something like that that might have been funny. I mean, Am give I him, this? you know, give him a shout and say like, I don't know, I think we could improve upon this. Uh, I mean, I already gave notes on several other movies we've been doing here and. <laughs> They're already out. What's what's my thing? And I, I did I know, the other day on the thing too. I was talking about uh, it was we were talking about no hard feelings that Jennifer Lawrence uh, movie, uh, which by the way is very good. I it thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, so now I have a new big broad comedy to point to when I get accused of being a snob. I say no, no hard feelings. Excellent. Um, but my my thing about that was like we there was a, like a ten minute sequence in there that didn't quite work for us, and we did our little oh what if we did this this and this and workshopped it, and we made it shorter cheaper and funnier and i was like why didn't they just do that and then i was like well because it's fucking hard like you're you're making it and then you see it not working in the middle of it and you're like oh, can we actually change this like how much towers left in the day this fucking person's got a scheduling thing like i don't know I, I i mean we get hard on things but then i think like you have two weeks to film this like even the best filmmakers are on tight schedules and budgets and everyone's busy and you know Right, and you're hoping, and the way you're filming things, you're hoping that it comes out in the editing process to be the piece that you want it to be. You know what I mean? So, especially when it's something like this, where it's so big and like everyone's worked with everyone, everyone's experienced. So now it's almost like a little bit of a playground. uh, uh, Yeah, is what it kind of feels like. Because, like we said, simple story, but it's so like crafted and woven that that's the satisfying. Yeah, and every little thing, every little piece is, you know. Uh, important it might be super meta to somebody who's a wes anderson fan you know there's i think there's things for people to like i don't know that i mean i did see this by myself because 
I was like, I don't think you're going to enjoy this <laughs> to dad. I was like, I don't think this is going to be your thing. No, it's so, not his style. No, but everybody who, it was a, it was a pretty full theater and everybody there seemed to enjoy it. So I think that you have to, I think maybe part of the audience score is that it's not, uh, it's not his best movie, but it's definitely something that if you're a fan um, is, you know, completely watchable and enjoyable. That's what see. That's what I would say is like this is like for me a, ret- a bit of a return to form. Like this isn't his best, but like if you didn't like the last couple or it's been a, a decline, I would say this is an up an upward tick. Like this is an improvement of the last two, in my opinion. And I, yeah, as, I think so, you know, so. as much as everyone loves Budapest, this is about for me. This is pretty close to Budapest. Like they're they're kind of neck and neck quality wise. Yeah, me. no, Budapest is is way above this. <laughs> What's your ranking? What's your is Budapest your favorite? Budapest is my favorite. By far, mm. I really what like Ling Unlimited too. So yeah, what what, what, what is, is it about Budapest? I don't. Yeah, really, what is it? I think it's because it's the first one of his that I saw that was in the style that it is, and it really caught me off guard. I mean, I like when something's different. I like when you know it's not. There are times when you want to. For me, I know you don't ever experience this that you want to watch a formulaic movie because you just want to. Ha- you just want to have some entertainment. You just kind of want your brain to go dead or whatever. Um, but the best stuff is always stuff that is different. We did, we have watched some different movies this year already that are not good. I'm not saying that different is always good, <laughs> but different. <laughs> Do you know which one I'm referring to? Um, I don't actually. Oh, okay. Give me a hint. Uh, don't say it, but give me a hint. What? Uh, <sighs> LA, a lot of like diffused light being inside might be alien, might be two dudes. I'm giving you way too many hints. Yeah, and I can't get it. So this was a bad bit, my bad idea. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, but when so- when when somebody does something like this, and and it's an art, and they're an artiste, and they you know make the effort to have music and art direction and things like that and have a really tight script and have really great people doing the work. I, I, I have to be drawn to it. Yeah, this is, I, as a, I think I've said this in the last one too. It's a, I like when people give a shit. Like I like when I can tell people give a shit. This is a little yeah. different because it's, because I expect, and I go in with expectations. I said this on No Hard Feelings. Like I'm comparing that against other big dumb broad comedies. I'm comparing this. I pretty much only compare Wes Anderson movies to other Wes Anderson movies. I don't yeah. think there's another. I think you have you know, to creator who's t- close enough of a parallel. Like I'll think of people. Where I'm like, well, I'll see a movie. Where I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a Wes Anderson, but it's just not even close. Actually, like if you actually think about it, like. Only, only he could make this, and I don't know if he can make anything else. So it, I'm fine with that because it's it's a good it's a good one trick pony. Um, he's expanded a little bit, like you said. Grand Budapest is different and bigger. He's done the stop motion. This one also feels like maybe maybe he's this is his version of trying new things. Is like French Dispatch with the three stories and this with the story and the story. Like this is a, maybe this is just as close as he can get to trying new things, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think I think it's more about the art than it is about the story. So I'm all, I'm all right. Oh, there it is. There was the, I was almost going to leave the the line out. It was it was actually very similar to that, and it was the mm. whole things. Um, yeah. So they're out of character. 
It's Jason Schwartzman. I think Adrian Brody, or maybe it's Adrian Brody or Edward Norton. I don't remember if it's the playwright or the director. But Jason mm-hmm. Schwartzman says, "I still, un- I still don't understand the play. This is in the middle of the third act. I still don't understand the play." He says, "Doesn't matter. Just keep telling the story." Right. And I, uh, I told that to Nicole when, she, when I got home, and she went, "Oh my god!" And rolled her eyes. <laughs> I think God, I didn't have to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that she's absent from this podcast. So yeah, she'll be on something else. But. Um, yeah, that, that really sums up my feelings. I don't. I, at times I'm watching this, I'm like, I don't really literally like. I understand what's going on, but I'm like, I don't really get the point. And then I'm like, you know, just the, okay. I, do, I do just want them to keep talking, though. You know, I do exactly. just want to keep seeing scenes. I do want yeah. to see them do the little name game over and over. We haven't talked about the kids at all. I do want to see them do that name game over and over because they're geniuses. And I, I do want to see the <laughs> random yeah. romances and quirky humor, selling land and. My tent burnt down, and dare we eat this hot pepper? It just—it's all—it's all very—it's all, very, all still very charming to me. And this one had more hits than misses than the last one. Yeah, I agree. Do we have yeah. any one? Any other points we missed? Any other major plot? I mean, how does this? How does this even end? I don't even like. I remember like it feels. I remember like it's kind of going crazy all of a sudden because the alien returns. He has a scene right. with Margot Robbie for a second because Margot Robbie plays like the wife that got cut out of the thing like he would have been the deceased wife so her only scene is like oh i'm doing another play now across the street um right and yeah and that's that was a little that was that seemed it it, it worked though like even though it was weird it kind of it i worked. think I was okay it's because they needed to get out of that chaos scene like i, I was thinking about it story-wise and like it almost feels like he was writing the asteroid part and then like the alien came and he's kind of like i'm done with the story what happens now uh, right, he gets out. I don't understand. And that's what he says. I still don't understand the story. Keep just or or I don't understand the plot. Just keep telling the story. Then he talks to has like a heart mini heart to heart with Margot, and then the conclusion, like the epilogue, is what his, him and his family leave Asteroid City after everyone. Like he wakes up late. Everyone else is gone already. Um, right. They uh, they yeah. bury they bury the mom. They bury the mom. I think Midge leaves Augie or at her address. So you know, kind of a yes. They question they mark right future to each other now. Yep. Yep. And then they leave. Like, and yep. and Augie's gonna be. <gasps> yeah, he, he decided not to leave. I always said at one point he was like, I was thinking about leaving you guys, but um, you know, I decided to stay. And then like, the son's like, Well, I forgive you for thinking about leaving us. Like classic right. Wes Anderson lines. Just matter. Again, of fact. there's no real story. No. <laughs> And they're not, no one, no one, so, so no one doesn't so, tell a story like Wes Anderson. Um, <laughs> do you I recommend like Asteroid City, Mama K? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, I think this is probably an uptick in this filmmaking again, so that's good news. But uh, it's also not going to have the huge wide audience appeal. So um, limited people, I would recommend it to. Oh yeah, this is no new converts at all. Like if you no no if no, you no one's don't, gonna be if, like, oh, I want to see all this stuff now. If you've seen two Wes Anderson, any two Wes Anderson films, and you disliked both, I'm trying to think. If, yeah. I guess if it was only the stop motion ones, maybe. If you've seen any two live action Wes Anderson movies and you disliked both, you will not like this. And if you've seen any two and you liked them, you will probably like this. So right, I think it's I think it's about that simple. It's not his worst live action. It's not his best. It's very squarely in the middle of the pack for me, which I will take because middle of the pack from one of my favorite directors is quality. So it's okay. Yeah. It's good enough. Two good enough recommends for Asteroid City. Keep going, Wes. We we still believe in you. Um coming <laughs> we'll up. Still watch. We I, I mean I will. I don't know if I'll 
if, if it's a, in a theater and it's convenient, I'll see it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we've got more stuff coming up. A couple streaming, I believe. We're, we're mostly caught up on theater. We've skipped a lot of the... There's been a lot of big, dumb blockbuster stuff that we've been kind of bouncing away from. So we're just going to keep doing the things that we actually want to talk about. So if you have right. anything to recommend to us, Films with the Women in My Life on Facebook, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Brennan underscore pod host. And you can email the show, filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Thanks for being on for Asteroid City, Mama K. It was good enough. It was good enough. Till next time, this is Brennan signing off saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole Telesio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.